The Bradford Exchange presents the Classic Radio Theater with your host, Carl Amari. Countdown for blast off. X minus one. Yes, it's Maxwell House Coffee Time, starring George Burns and Gracie Allen. Richard Diamond, private detective. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. Suspense. It's time once again for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Dragnet. We offer you escape. Kraft presents the Great Gildersleeve. Yeah. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. The Jack Benny Program. Welcome, everyone, to Episode 8 of the Classic Radio Theater. Each week, the Bradford Exchange and participating sponsors bring you three hours of the Classic Radio Theater, featuring programming from the golden age of radio. This time we'll hear two half-hour episodes of Fibber, McGee, and Molly. We'll begin after this break. In the early 30s, real-life married couple Jim and Marion Jordan tried their hands at the fledgling medium of radio and created the endearing comedy series Fibber, McGee, and Molly. Fibber and Molly lived at 79 Wistful Vista, a branch of suburbia with friendly neighbors who stopped by to visit them and offer sage wisdom to Fibber's craftsmanship, whether it be fixing the mailbox or hanging Christmas lights. A slice of American life with a movie house in town, a department store, a friendly mailman who never hesitated to take a moment and chat with the McGee's, and a gossip society consisting of a little old lady's sewing circle. Fibber McGee and Molly today remains evident why the program represented the best of Main Street, USA. For a short time, their next-door neighbor was Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve, who displayed a smug personality complex and became the perfect foil for Windbag McGee. Their long-standing feuds once culminated with a duel involving water hoses. Harold Perry played the next-door neighbor character with such bravado that NBC ultimately gave way to a spin-off, The Great Gildersleeve, which became a long-standing radio program of its own success. The McGees had a made-for-a-spell, Beulah, who also branched off with a short-lived spin-off. A mainstay on radio, Fibber McGee and Molly lasted until 1956. It's time for the first of two Fibber McGee and Molly radio programs. On this first episode, Fibber makes a lamp. Here's Fibber McGee and Molly. The Johnson's Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. The makers of Johnson's Wax products for home and industry present Fibber McGee and Molly with Bill Thompson, Gail Gordon, Arthur Q. Bryan, and me, Harlow Wilcox. The script is by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie. Music by the King's Men and Billy Mills Orchestra. Women who have been using Johnson's self-polishing glow coat for years now like it even better than ever. And here's why. Glow Coat has been improved. The new Johnson self-polishing Glow Coat now shines nearly twice as bright as ever before. Try it and you'll see the difference in an instant. Glow Coat will make your kitchen linoleum glow with a bright new beauty. That brighter Glow Coat shine will make your linoleum and other floors look years younger. And at the same time, it'll make them last years longer. That gleaming coat of tough wax takes the punishment and helps protect your linoleum from wear. It's mighty easy to use, too. You merely apply and let dry. There's no rubbing or buffing. A gleaming glow coat surface 
is a surface easy to keep clean. Dust, dirt, and spilled things can be whisked away with just a wipe of a damp cloth. Be sure to try the improved Johnson Self-Polishing Glow Coat. More than ever, it's the better way to bring out the beauty of the home. Look on the bright side, shine up the right side, bring out the beauty of the home. When a housewife like Mrs. Molly McGee starts gazing thoughtfully around the living room with that I-wonder-how-much-it-would-cost-to-redecorate look in her eyes... It's high time that a man like Mr. McGee, who's been pinching the budget for a new bowling ball, did some fast thinking. Like right now, as we join Fibber McGee and Molly. Now, let me see. If the walls were painted sort of a dusty green and the ceiling an off-white, this carpet would still be all right. Hey, Molly, you know what month this is? Yes, February. And we've got to get that old floor lamp out of here. Huh? It's been knocked over so many times it ducks whenever we come into the room. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I've been thinking that if we have the walls painted a dusty... You said it, kiddo. That floor lamp is a nuisance. It used to have three speeds. Yeah, I know. Dim, flickering out. (laughs) Let's get rid of it. Fine, that's a good start. Now, I was thinking... You were thinking? What do you think I've been doing lying here studying this popular mechanics magazine my head off? I've been studying how to make a beautiful new lamp, Molly A new lamp out of an old spittoon (laughs) Ain't that a coincidence for you? Well, it's a coincidence, sweetheart, but not for me In the first place, while cuspidors may have a certain historic charm And look cute in the windows of antique shops I want none of them in my living room Even made into a lamp with flowers growing out in it? I wouldn't want one if it were made into a crystal chandelier With sunny tufts growing out of it Now, look, McGee, this living room needs a new... Needs a new lamp. You bet it does, baby, and I'm just the guy that can whip one up for you. Who was it that made all the best stuff in my eighth-grade manual training class back in Peoria? Little Charlie Carell. (laughs) Yeah, and he had the bench right next to me, and I saw how he did everything. (laughs) Throw that old floor lamp out, Snooky, before the sun sets tonight. I'm going to make you a new one. A new lamp now, and maybe next year we can have the whole room redecorated. Huh? We, uh... Can't do it this year? I don't see how, baby. I'll know better after March 15th. And if you see me laughing while I pay our income tax, don't get alarmed. I'll be reaching so far down for the dough, I'll be tickling my own feet. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Every year. Come in. Oh, hi, old-timer. Hello, Mr. Old-timer. Hello there, kids. What you doing? (laughs) I was just about to start making a new table lamp out of something old, timer. You know anything about handicraft? Nope. Only member of my family that took manual training was my brother. What was his name? Manual. (laughs) Manual trained to be a blacksmith. Yeah. Mighty good one, too. I can close my eyes and see old Manual yet, standing in the barn basement on a stepladder, reaching up to shoe a horse. On a ladder in the basement? Reaching up to shoe a horse. Well, now, kids, a horse don't just sit in a chair and stick his foot out and say, that's very nice, but have you got the same thing an alligator like people do? (laughs) A horse just stands there. (laughs) Yes, but... So, Manuel, he cut a hole in the barn floor, hired a kid to lead a horse over the hole till the proper hoof was showing, then he'd run downstairs, climb up the ladder, and glue the shoe on. 
Look, old-timer, in the first place, all that stuff isn't necessary. You just pick up one foot at a time and put the shoe on. And you don't glue the shoe on, you nail it on. Yeah, nails. Nail it on? Oh, daughter, I'm disappointed in you. Huh? Standing there so sweet and gentle looking and suggesting somebody hammer nails into a dumb animal, man's best oh, friend. Oh, but it don't hurt them. They haven't got any feeling in their hoofs. How do you know, Johnny? You ever been a horse? <laughs> Of course he hasn't, but... Well, I have. I don't want anybody nailing my shoes on. What do you mean, you were a horse? Well, I wasn't a complete horse, Johnny. Just the front end. <laughs> Me and another fella, we was a horse in circus once. Oh. But he got the heaves one summer and had to quit the act. <laughs> Well, I've always wanted to know a horse personally to speak to. Would you care for some nice, fresh oatmeal cookies? <laughs> That's pretty good, daughter. But that ain't the way I heard it. How did you hear it? Well, the way I heard it, Johnny, one feller says to tell the feller, say, he says, I see where Russia's just passed a law where they ain't allowed to talk to foreigners. That's pretty silly, says t'other feller. They're all foreigners themselves. <laughs> well, good luck shooting your horse, Johnny. So long, daughter. <laughs> well, now, let me see. First, I get the shoe red hot and then the nail. Hey, what am I? I'm not shoeing a horse. I'm going to make a table lamp. That's what you said anyway, but out of what? Oh, I'll find something. Well, while you try to think of it, I'll run upstairs and vacuum the guest room. Okay. Let me know now what you decide to use. Okay, Katie. Tootsie. Ah, oh, there goes a good kid. <laughs> what does she care if I'm not very handy at making things? As long as I'm kind and generous and tactful and sweet and quiet and understanding and tolerant and patient and gentle and <laughs> unassuming and modest. Hey, my gosh, here's just the thing to make a lamp out of. This old pewter teapot. Oh, boy, this'll be essential. All I gotta do is get the... Uh-oh. Come in. Hi, mister. Oh, hi, Teeny. Where's Miss McGee? Where is she? <laughs> She's upstairs, sis. Vacuum the guest room. Why? Well, gee, mister, she almost never seems to be here when I come in. Yeah, I noticed that. I thought maybe she didn't like little children or something. <laughs> no, it's just a coincidence, I guess, Teenie. She's very fond of little children. Hey, hey, what you doing with the teapot, mister? What you doing with it? What you... Hmm. Shh, not so loud, sis. I'm going to make a lamp out of this and surprise my wife. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That'll be dandy, I betcha. Yeah. That's an awful pretty teapot. You think so? Well, I... Hmm? I said you think so? Think what? That it's very pretty. What is? This teapot. What about it? I think it's very pretty. Gee, I do too, I betcha. <laughs> Gee, that's one of the prettiest silver teapots I ever saw, mister. Ah, but it isn't silver, sis. It's pewter. Gee, honest? Yep. My brother used to raise pewter pigeons once, but all the neighbors... No. <laughs> not, not powder. Pewter. This teapot is made of pewter. It's a metal. An alloy, rather. You know what an alloy is, sis? Oh. <laughs> hmm? Oh, everybody knows that, mister. An alloy is a little thin street that runs behind people's garages. <laughs> oh. <laughs> You're just kidding me, I betcha. Look, sis, I've always said that the day you don't learn at least one thing is a day wasted. 
Now you take pewter. Okay. Pewter is an alloy, which in this case is a combination of three metals, silver, nickel, and pute. <laughs> pute is a rare metal that is found only on the west coast of Putagonia. Pute has to be mined very quickly because it spoils when exposed to the air. Thus, we get the term uh, putrefy. If it spoils, it's no good except for fertilizer, which they spread on the fields to raise uh, putunias and putatas. And... <laughs> Isn't that interesting? It sure is, mister. Mm. Mm, thanks ever so much. That's okay, Tanya. You learn more about it when you start studying botany and geometry and stuff. Oh, I know what geometry is now, I bet you. Oh, you do, eh? Well, what is it? Come on, come on, tell me, what's geometry, if you know? <laughs> ah. Geometry. Geometry is... Well, geometry is what the little acorn said when it grew up. Huh? Geometry. Oh. <laughs> I bet you we both learned something today, I bet you. Mm. Goodbye now. Yeah, maybe we have, but I haven't learned to keep my big fat mouth shut in front of that midget. Billy Mills in the orchestra, and I've got a feeling I'm falling. see this now. Uh, I'm in the dining room, Molly, but don't come in. This is confidential. Now, wait a minute. I'm coming out. Throw this tablecloth over there. You want me for something, Molly? Nothing in particular, McGee. What are you doing? Oh, it's a surprise. I'll show it to you when I get it finished. Is it the lamp? Yep, and is it ever going to be beautiful? Oh, good. This is the best thing I've made since that saddle I hand-tooled for Mayor Moore. You mean Mort Moore, the mayor of Miramar? Yeah. 
Remember the saddle I hand-tooled for him and that little mare of his named Mary? Well, I vaguely remember. Sure, you remember Mayor Mort Moore of Miramar and his little mare Mary? <laughs> the minute I seen Mort's mare, I says, Moore, I says, that's a very merry little mare. And he says, yes, he says, the mare of the merrier. And further, mare is the mayor of Miramar. My mare Mary is more than any mere mare in Miramar. And I says, that's merely mare of the <laughs> Point killer. It's Mr. Williams, the weatherman. Hello, Mr. Williams. Hello, Mrs. McGee. Hello, McGee. Hi, Foggy. Where have you been keeping yourself? Yes, we haven't seen you since last Tuesday. Well, <laughs> I've been busy at the office all week with some experiments. No kidding, Foggy. Ever make any artificial lightning? Well, yes, once. But that was strictly inadvertent. Oh. How on earth could you make lightning accidentally? I dropped a nickel, it bounced into a wall plug, and I tried to pry it out with a hairpin. <laughs> Gosh, that was a pretty dumb maneuver, Foggy. What happened? There was a sheet of blue flame which burned my trousers off at the knees, and I was hurled violently backward into the lap of a very attractive young lady. Having made her so conspicuous, I felt it my duty to ask her to marry me. Oh. Isn't that the most romantic thing you ever heard, McGee? Yeah. I'm going to get Mrs. Williams to tell me all about it. Uh, please don't, Mrs. McGee. This was another girl. Oh. <laughs> you mean the one you fell over refused to marry you? Yes, yes. She said she wouldn't marry a man who was idiotic enough to stick hairpins into the light sockets. <laughs> well, you ought to tell Mrs. Williams, Mr. Williams. I imagine she'd get a big laugh out yeah. of it. Yes, yes. And when she stopped laughing, there would be a slight pause, and she would ask me how I happened to have a hairpin with me. <laughs> how did you? That is a long story which I haven't time to invent just now. Good day, probably. Ah, uh, you know, that's rather sweet and old-fashioned, McGee. What, getting caught with a hairpin in your pocket? No, thinking you have to ask a girl to marry you just because you fell into her lap. Yeah, as the guy says when he sat on the phonograph needle, this is positively mid-Victorian. Oh, <laughs> Well, back to work, kiddo. Oh, I had a little doggy who was an awful fool, half spitz and half retriever, which resulted in a drool. Oh, the monkey and the girl, let me see. Ah, bless his little heart. He'll save me $7 with his homemade table lamp, and it'll cost us $75 to put the dining room back together again. Ah, well. Hiya, Molly. Hi. Hey, where's Fibber? He's in the dining room, Mr. Wilcox. Can't you hear him? Hey, pal, what are you doing? Oh, hi, Junior. I'm working on a little surprise for Molly. I'm making a table lamp, but she don't know what oughta. She what? I said she don't know what oughta. She don't know what oughta? No. What he means, Mr. Wilcox, is that he's making me a table lamp, but I'm totally ignorant of what particular properties he is utilizing in its construction. That's what I says. <laughs> She knows I'm making a lamp, but she don't know what outta. That's plain English, ain't it? <laughs> plain is positively homely. But look, what brought on this burst of creative construction, pal? Well, we need some new things for this uh, living room, Mr. Wilcox, but we're settling for a new table lamp, which himself here is dreaming up with a hunk of wire, the neighbor's tools, and some materials about which I remain in happy ignorance. Yeah, she knows I'm making it, but she don't know what outta. <laughs> Well, personally, Molly, I've always thought this living room was completely charming Your whole house is, for that matter Oh, Mr. Wilcox, how about that tall old floor lamp? That thing is more dated than a cigar counter sales girl 
Well, the lamp, maybe yes. But the rest of your things are in fine shape. Your whole house gleams with hospitality. You know, I particularly like your kitchen. Oh, now, Mr. Wilcox, you... You know, if every woman knew, as you know, that Johnson's Glow Coat beautifies your linoleum as it protects, saves time and labor, and makes build things so much easier to wipe up, they'd have a lot more time to watch their husbands make table lamps. Lots of women haven't got husbands with enough talent to make table lamps. I'll bet when you first found out that Glow Coat needs no rubbing or buffing and dries in 20 minutes or less to a handsome, color-brightening finish... Yeah, yeah, look, waxy. Yes, pal. You gotta hurry away. As a matter of fact, I have, yes. I'm cooking dinner for Spaniel Eyes tonight. Oh? My own recipe for stew. Oh, isn't that nice? You're going to cook a stew for your wife. Yeah, but she don't know what out of. (laughs) See you later, folks. Now, now, then back to work. Now, see, where's my hacksaw? Oh, here it is. Oh, I had a little set, a handy little sinner. He'd help Marmer set the table almost every night for dinner. Oh, the monkey and the coconut. Hey, Molly, we got any scotch tape? No, Uncle Dennis used it all up when he was packing his bags to leave. What do you need all that scotch tape for? He said his scotch was always shaking loose. Oh. <laughs> oh, I had a little crocodile. Come in. Mr. Wimple, do come in. Hi there, Wimp. Be with you in just a sec. Hello, folks. <laughs> My, this is a familiar scene. Husband in one room, wife in the other room, sitting with their backs to each other. <laughs> Makes me kind of homesick. He's making me a table lamp, Mr. Wimple, but he doesn't want me to see it until it's finished. Yeah. She knows I'm making it, Wimp, but she don't know what oughta. You ever do much handicraft work? Well, no, not much, Mr. McGee. I just watch birds and write greeting cards. Still making a bum out of Longfellow, eh? Mm-hmm. Have you written a valentine to your wife yet? Two of them. Oh? Would you like to hear the one I'm sending her anonymously? Oh, I'd love to, Mr. Wimple. <laughs> I've always been fond of poetry anyway. Edgar Guest came to visit us once. The room he slept in, we still refer to as the guest room. <laughs> Go ahead, Wimp. Let's hear the poem. All righty. It goes to Sweetie Face, my Valentine. Mm. Here's to you, my sweet Valentine, with the heart and the lace and the old familiar line. For year after year, I've been writing this stuff. If you had any sense, you would know it was guff. (laughs) No, you just grab it with tears in your eyes and read it like it was a tremendous surprise. I'm afraid it's the last you'll be getting from me because Cupid is stupid, do you have to be? Not very sentimental, is it, Mr. Wimp? Well, with Wimp's setup, I don't imagine he has very many sentimental moments, do you, Wimp? Oh, I used to, Mr. McGee. Yeah? I remember one summer when I was first married to you-know-who. Yeah. We were out canoeing one night. Yeah? There wasn't any moon, and it was so dark, and I said, Sweetie face, I said... Let's just drift and hold hands and not say a word to each other. Oh, wasn't that sweet. (laughs) Yes. And then I filled one of my gloves with wet sand, gave it to her to hold, slipped over the side, swam ashore, and played snooker till almost midnight. King's Men and the Secretary Song. 
Down at the office, they're all agog. The old typewriter has a new stenog. She has a brand new trick. She types to a red hot lick. From nine to five all week, you ought to see her technique. Beepity bop bop, beepity bop bop, space. Beepity bop bop, type the letters in place. Beepity bop bop, and you'll never go wrong with the Mary Secretary song. Beepity bop bop, beepity bop bop, dot. Beepity bop bop, you're improving a lot. Beepity bop bop, as you rock it along, that's the Mary Secretary song. She has a lot of fun when her work is done. The fellas gather round in a bunch. Cause they can hardly wait to see the one she'll date When she's off from twelve to one Lunch! Beepity-bop-bop, that's the beat she plays Beepity-bop-bop, do it right, get a raise Beepity-bop-bop, keep the rhythm strong With the Mary Secretary song Beepity-bop-bop, beepity-bop-bop, dash Beepity-bop, she's quick as a flash Now is the time for all good men to come to the aid the Mary Secretary song. Beepity bop bop, beepity bop bop, quote. Beepity bop bop, just look what she wrote. The quick brown fox jumped over the lazy. The Mary Secretary song. She has a lot of fun when her work is all done. Cause the fellas gather round in a bunch. They can hardly wait to see the one she'll date when she's off from 12 to 1. Luncheon. Beepity bop bop, her typewriter plays. Beepity bop bop, oh, she'll get a raise. McGee, here's a package that just came special delivery from the Bonton. Shall I open it for you? No, 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 no. I should say not, kiddo. Thanks anyway. Just hand it here. And don't look at what I'm doing. All right, I've got my head turned away. Much obliged. Now, you go back and sit down, Tootsie. I'll have this lamp finished and nothing flat. And believe me, it's the best job I've ever done. There's going to be a lot of scorched eyeballs around here if people won't be able to take their eyes off this lamp like I don't think they will. How's that again, dearie? I says the people won't be able to take their eyes off this lamp like I don't think they will. There'll be a lot of scorched eyeballs. Come in. For goodness sakes, Dr. Gamble. Come right in, doctor. Thank you, my dear. And where is little Limberlip today? <laughs> oh, he's just in the dining room there. Here I am, Doc. Be with you in just a sec. What's he doing in there? Well, he's making me a table lamp, Doctor. What out of? <laughs> I don't know what out of. A table lamp. Hmm. I hope you won't be hurt, my dear, if I get under the table the first time he turns it on. Oh, no. Just make room for me is all because I like... Hi there, old fever blister. What made you run away from the hospital at this time of day? Somebody come in with a contagious disease? <laughs> to me, slack-jaw, germs are far less repulsive than some of the larger forms of animal life. Hmm. Anything personal in that remark? What do you think? I don't think so. You're just modest. Thank you. Not at all. <laughs> Pardon me, Alphonse and Gaston, but uh, I'd like to know how you're getting along with my table lamp, McGee. Oh, baby, it's going to be a Lulu. The best job I've ever done. I'm making Molly a table lamp, uh, Doc, but she don't know how to hop from what. <laughs> when will the lowbrow public be permitted to behold this hand-soldered epic, Chisel Fizzle? Yes, I'm getting very impatient, dearie. Remember, you promised I'd have it today. He keeps promises like I keep a 29-inch waistline. <laughs> Nevertheless, Medicine Ball, when I make a promise, I make a promise. 
My motto is never break a promise to a child or a woman. Grown men can look after themselves. Give me five minutes, Molly. Five minutes it is, McGee. Come on, Doc. You can lend me a surgical hand. Oh, are you using hands on this? Everything you've built up till now, I thought you made with your teeth and your elbows. You have four minutes and 50 seconds, dearie. Uh Uh-oh, come on, Doctor. Come in when I call you, Molly. Take a peek under that tablecloth, Doc. Uh That's the lamp. I filled it with cement to give it some weight, and then I bored a hole through the bottom, wired it up through here, see? And I bought this blue and silver lampshade at the Bontine. Hand me that wire, will you? Here you are. And while it hurts me to say this, my boy, that is really a beautiful lamp. Betcha. A pewter teapot with that blue and silver shade was pure inspiration. Yeah, you said it. Now let me turn it on, see if it works. Perfect. Ah. <laughs> Perfect. Well, here's the shade. And a handsome one it is, too. Thanks. It cost me $3.79, but when I get in a creative mood like this, cost means nothing. <laughs> Hold her steady while I screw it on. Okay. Ah, there we are. Time's up, McGee. And it's all finished. Throw that tablecloth over it again, Doc. We'll unveil it like the beautiful thing it is. Okay. Uh, my dear, you have a great surprise in store for you. Heavenly days, I'm so excited. Don't keep me in suspense any longer, McGee. Let's see it. Okay, now you stand right over there where you can get the best view of it. When I count to three, Doc, you yank the tablecloth off. (laughs) It will be a pleasure to yank the sheet off something that won't peer up at me and ask how big the incision will be. (laughs) You ready? One. I was just going to say, McGee, it's a good thing you're finished with that because I've got to run over to Mrs. Williams. Over to Foggy Williams's? What for? Just to return an antique pewter teapot she loaned me for my party last week. A pew? A pew? She says it doesn't look very valuable, but it was made by Paul Revere himself back in 1768. A pew? Come on, boys. What are we waiting for? A pew? A pew? A pew? Better get his bed ready, my dear. A pew? I think I've got a patient on my hands. A pew, a pew. What's the matter? A pew. Many times I've said that Genuine Johnson's Paste Wax adds to the beauty of your home. Well, here's an easy way for you to see just how true that statement is. Choose two pieces of furniture or two sections of a floor. Polish one with Johnson's Wax and compare the two. The one you've polished will have a new warm beauty that will make the other seem, well, rather dull and ordinary by comparison. You see, Johnson's Wax adds luster that makes your floors and furniture glow with a delightfully bright richness. That hard, protective coat of shining wax makes all precious things so much more easy to keep clean, too. Dust and dirt won't stick to a surface gleaming with that tough, protective coat of wax. And the same shining coat that makes things easy to clean protects fine finishes from stains and scratches. Try Johnson's Paste Wax. Look at the gleaming, glowing results which bring out the beauty of your home. Look on the bright side, shine up the right side, bring out the beauty of the home. I just talked to Mrs. Williams, McGee. What'd she say, kiddo? What'd she say? She's awful sore at me? No. <laughs> she thought I made a beautiful lamp. She just loved it. Oh, boy. But she says it depends on what Mr. Williams says. Ain't he home yet? No, he had to take his groundhog to the vet. His groundhog to the vet? What's the matter with it? Shock. Shock? It saw its shadow yesterday and knew it would have six weeks more of Mr. Williams. Oh. <laughs> Isn't that ridiculous? Yeah. Good night. Good night, all.
The makers of Johnson's Wax Products, Racine, Wisconsin, bring you Fibber McGee and Molly each Tuesday night. Be with us again next week, won't you? Good night. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. That's Fibber McGee and Molly starring Jim and Marion Jordan, as originally broadcast February 3rd, 1948. All of the classic radio shows we present on this series are direct from the master recordings. I have more than 100,000 original radio episodes under license from the owners and estates, and we make them available via digital download or on CD through our Classic Radio Club. By joining the Classic Radio Club, you'll receive 10 superior-sounding classic radio shows sent directly to you each month, along with detailed liner notes and photos of the stars. You'll receive your first 10 classic radio episodes for only $1, and you can cancel at any time. To learn more about the Classic Radio Club, log on to ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. I'll have another episode of Fibber McGee and Molly for you after this break. Welcome back to the Classic Radio Theater. I'm your host, Carl Amari. It's time now for another comedy episode of Fibber McGee and Molly. This time, Fibber is determined to repair the sled he used many winters ago as a boy. Here's Fibber McGee and Molly. The Johnson's Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. The makers of Johnson's Wax products for home and industry present Fibber McGee and Molly with Bill Thompson, Gail Gordon, Arthur Q. Bryan, and me, Harlow Wilcox. The script is by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie. Music by the Kingsmen and Billy Mills Orchestra. Here's something to remember. No matter how modest a home may be, no matter how simple the furnishings, a lot can be done for the looks of every room with Johnson's Paste Wax. That's right, you can give your floors the rich, warm glow that only a true wax imparts. You can add a shining luster to all your furniture that will make even the most inexpensive piece look beautiful. You can give all the wood surfaces in your home a gloss that picks up and enhances the colors of your drapes and walls. And then there's this to remember. The same shining coat of wax that makes your furniture and floors look rich and well cared for makes them easy to keep clean. Dust and dirt won't cling to a surface glowing with Johnson's Wax. An occasional dusting with a dry cloth is all that's needed to keep waxed surfaces shining brightly. Yes, any woman who takes pride in keeping her home attractive will tell you there's no finer wax than Johnson's Paste Wax to bring out the beauty of the home. Look on the bright side, shine up the right side, bring out the beauty of the home. Here's a pleasant little domestic scene, a cold winter day, a roaring fire in the fireplace at 79 Wistful Vista, the morning paper neatly divided into two sections, and Mr. McGee looking at both of them, <laughs> while Mrs. McGee looks at him. As we join Fibber McGee and Molly. A pew, a pew, a pew. McGee. Huh? For goodness sakes, are you still worrying about that old pewter teapot? Huh? What old pewter teapot? 
<laughs> of Mrs. Williams's that you made a table lamp out of? Oh, no, my gosh. I forgot all about that last week. Well, then why are you sitting there saying, a pew, a pew, a pew? Oh, I was looking over the plans in the paper here, the new church they're building. It says, a pew, a pew, a pew, and a window. <laughs> a pew, a pew, a pew, and a door. And all like that there. Oh, yes. I saw the pictures of it. It oh. looks wonderful. Yeah. Incidentally, speaking of old things, I cleaned a lot of trash out of the attic this morning and put it on the back porch for the junk man. Oh? If he happens to come by while I'm not here, be sure to give it to uh, him. Out of the attic? Oh, now, look, kiddo. I hope you didn't throw out anything good of mine from out of up there. My gosh, I got a lot of valuable stuff stored away up there. Well, you needn't worry. All I brought downstairs today was a lot of junk. Oh? An old dressmaking form Aunt Sarah gave me in 1925. When skirts were just below the knee and the waistlines were just above them. <laughs> a little old sled with one runner bent and all the paint scraped off. Sled? Oh, Molly, you're not giving my old sled to the junk man. My little old snowbuster that I got from my Well, my goodness, I didn't dream you still wanted that thing, McGee. It's all broken anyhow. It can you... be fixed. My old snowbuster. I'll get it right now before that junk man hauls it off. Okay, dearie. Ah, there goes a good kid. <laughs> and such a big kid, too What he's going to do with a sled that he must have gotten about the third grade A sled that we were married ten years before I could get him to take it out from under his bed and put it in the attic I'll never know <laughs> Ah, but he'll rush back in here in a minute with a happy smile on his chubby little cheek Shouting, ah, my old sled, and I'll just... Ah, my old sled <laughs> Just look at it, Molly. Uh huh. My little old snowbuster. Look how that baby glides across the floor. Heavenly day, sideways. Oh, no. The runners are bent a little sure, but they're solid as a rock. <laughs> they don't build sleds like this baby anymore, baby. No, they've learned a lot since that one was built, all right. <laughs> boy, oh boy, what memories this thing brings back. The fun I had on it. Yeah. <laughs> Why, every bone I ever broke in my life was broke on this old sled. <laughs> I remember one day I was so. Come in. Mr. Oldtimer, come in. Oh, hi, Oldtimer. Hello there, kids. <laughs> hey, what you doing with that beat-up coaster, Johnny? You been raiding the city dump again? <laughs> no, this is my old snowbuster, Oldtimer. Had it since I was a kid. I've kept it put away long enough. Now I'm going to fix it up now and give it to some other deserving little kid now. Johnny, I've known a lot of kids. I've known kids that deserve a licking and kids that deserve a kicking. But I've never known a kid that deserved a thing like that. <laughs> What do you mean? There's nothing wrong with this sled that I can't fix. Look at that baby, solid as a rock. Or will be when I get it fixed. He's very sentimental about his sled, Mr. Oldtimer. I bet you had a sled when you were a kid, too, huh? Oh, I sure did, daughter. <laughs> had me a dandy. Ever tell you about my nephew, the double-jointed bomber pilot? What's a double-jointed bomber pilot got to do with your boyhood sled? Just reminded me of it, that's all, Johnny. Huh? It was a flexible flyer, too. Oh. <laughs> yes, sir, kids. I was a great one for winter sports. Bob sledding, ice boating, skiing, post office. Post office? We were talking about winter sports. Daughter, the way I played it, it's a year-round game. <laughs> yes, sir. Yep. Ice boating. Just a little demonstration smacker was all ice boating, bobsledding, snowballing, hooky. Hockey. Had to play hooky to get time to play hockey, Johnny. <laughs> but my favorite sport was dog sledding up in Alaska. Entered every dog sled race they ever had up there. 
Ever won any, but it was a peck of fun. Why didn't you ever win? I don't know, Johnny. Always used to pull into town two or three days after the other fellas, gasping for breath, moccasins wore out, and them hate dogs sitting there on the sled, yammering away fit to bust. <laughs> but the dogs were supposed to pull you. Well, I'll be doggone. I thought that was an awful long harness for one man. <laughs> So the other guys got the prize money and you just got the sourdough, eh? <laughs> sourdough? Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good, Johnny. But I heard it with a slight political twist. Yeah. <laughs> the slight political twist I heard it with, one feller says to tell the feller, say... He said... I see where Mr. Truman is building a new porch onto the White House. Yep, says tell the feller... It's great to have a place where you can sit on warm summer nights and watch the moon and prices come up. <laughs> well, see you later, kid. So long. Billy Mills in the orchestra and all dressed up with a broken heart. See how this runner is straightening out, Molly? Some kid is going to be awful lucky to get this old sled of mine. I don't know why you call it lucky. You've broken your arm, your leg, three ribs, and your clavicle on it. Yeah. I cracked my glockenspiel on it, too. <laughs> Heavenly days, where is your glockenspiel? I don't know. My folks gave it away right after that. <laughs> Said I didn't deserve to have a glockenspiel. Said you didn't deserve... Well, what is it? A glockenspiel? Oh, it's a kind of a xylophone sort of thing. Yeah, I was taking lessons on it and was coasting home from my teacher's house when one sled runner hit a bare manhole cover, spun me around, threw the glockenspiel through a bakery window right into the apple strudel. Come in. Oh, 
it's Mr. Williams, the weatherman, McGee. Hello, Mrs. McGee. Hello, McGee. Hi, Foggy. Come in out of the weather, man. <laughs> Thank you. I hope you don't think I'm being conceited if I say that this is a beautiful day. Oh, not at all, Mr. Williams. Not at all. It is a lovely day. You betcha. Crisp, cold air, snow crunching underfoot, sharp wind biting you on the neck, icicles ready to drop off the roof and stab you through the derby, limbs covered with snow up to your hips. Ah, what a day to stay inside out of. <laughs> I take it you are not an admirer of winter weather, McGee. Oh, he used to be, Mr. Williams. You should see him do a triple somersault on ice skates. Me? A triple somersault on ice skates? When did I do that then? Don't you remember the time you tripped over the route on Sheehan's Pond the very first time you went ice skating? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they rushed me to the doctor and x-rayed my head. Thought maybe I had a conclusion. <laughs> uh, concussion, McGee. Huh? A conclusion is a finish. That's what they thought he had, all right. <laughs> How about you, Mr. Williams? Are you one to frolic in the snow? Frankly, no. No, I'm a warm-weather sportsman. Swimming, sailing, fishing, and all that. Particularly deep-sea fishing. I caught a 210-pound tuna off the coast of Mexico one summer. My gosh, a 210-pound tuna. I didn't know they came that big. Uh, this was a piano tuna. <laughs> He, uh, he had fallen off a Matson liner. <laughs> Every time he comes through town, he tunes my piano. Another time in Louisiana, hey, I Hey, that's on... one place I always wanted to go, Foggy. Down to New Orleans, to a Mardi Gras. You ever been to a Mardi Gras? <laughs> you ever been to a Mardi Gras? It's Gras, McGee. Huh? Mardi Gras. Gras? Didn't you learn that in high school, or didn't you study French? Oh, well, I studied it, but I didn't paw. <laughs> in Louisiana, Foggy. Well, I was driving slowly through the city admiring the courteous traffic signs. Courteous traffic signs? Yes, like one-way, if you please, street. Oh. <laughs> and uh, know you all turn. Oh. <laughs> when suddenly, nothing happened. It was perhaps the quietest trip I've ever taken. Well, that's very interesting in a negative kind of way, Foggy. Oh, hey, I'm fixing up an old sled of mine. Is there going to be any more snow this week? Well, our charts at the office indicate a cold front with alto cumulus clouds advancing on a 40-mile line, McGee. Huh? With a low-pressure area to the south, that would imply an indicated precipitation of an intermittent character. What? However, should the air masses recede in variable directions, there is no doubt that both wind and temperatures will be affected, although to what extent it is impossible to tell within several degrees. Hmm. And the dispersion of moisture will depend largely on subsequent barometric pressures. Oh, that. What on earth does that mean? That means, Molly, it's going to clear up cloudy and give us a dry drizzle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, good day, probably. So long, Foggy. The man must be interesting work. Yeah, but I'd hate to be in his shoes right now. Why? Too small. I wear a nine and a half and he wears an eight. <laughs> well, I got to finish hammering out this bent runner. Oh, I had a little tortoise, but he isn't here no more. He saw the frames for my new glasses and recognized his cousin Joe. Oh, that laid an egg. Go the monkey and the coconuts. Hi, Molly. Hello, pal. Hello, Mr. Wilcox. Hi, Omaha. 
You're just in time to give me a hand. Grab that pair of pliers, will you? Sure, sure. What do I do with them? <laughs> just hold them. Every time I sit on them, I've been sitting on them. <laughs> now, let me see. This runner looks okay. He's fixing up an old sweater of his, Mr. Wilcox. <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was an orange crate that had been hit by a beer truck. This is my old sled that I've had since I was in the third grade, Junior. I've kept it all these years. Why? A good question. What do you mean, why? Why does anybody keep anything that has given them as much pleasure as this thing has given to me out of? That sled has tender memories for him, Mr. Wilcox. Well, I'm happy to know that he's capable of such sentiment, because that's the sort of emotion that keeps me in business. What do you mean, Junior? Oh, McGee, now for goodness oh, sake, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't. Right, Captain. I'm glad you asked me that yes, now. Yes, bet you are. What? <laughs> what? What I meant was that everybody who loves and cherishes his nice things wants to keep them looking their best and wants to protect them against the dust and dirt and dampness and the ravages of time. Well, we're in this thing now, dearie. We might as well go along with it. Help him out. What's the best thing to protect things with, Mr. Wilcox? Johnson's Wax. No kidding. What does it do, Junior? Johnson's Wax? Yeah. Why, it protects and seals the surface so the dust and dirt can't cling to it. Seals the pores of wood and leather. See, how is it on lampshades and luggage and floors and furniture and woodwork and enamel surfaces and windowsills? Oh, it's wonderful. And Don't you, you think that Johnson's Wax gives that gleam of hospitality, that sparkling welcome to a well-kept home that is the pride of all good housekeepers, Junior? Oh, I do indeed. Why, Personally, if you... now, the knowledge that it preserves while it protects, that's very important, it seems to me, and when it's so simple to guard fine things with Johnson's Wax. Uh, why... Yeah, but what that got to do And with... besides... <laughs> And besides, Junior, I always say that Johnson's wax is Look, 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 waxy. Huh? <laughs> oh, that's me, isn't it? My <laughs> I guess I'm kind of confused. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, kind of confused. Yes, sir. We were all selling wax there for a while, weren't we? Mm. Anytime we don't, waxy, we'll get three pink slips in the mail that Molly never ordered from the bond. <laughs> Mr. Wilcox, are you and McGee going to bowl tonight? Oh, hey, that's what I stopped in to tell you, pal. I can't bowl tonight. Why not? Well, <laughs> my aunt and uncle are visiting us, and she's using my bowling ball. To bowl with? Oh, no, she slips it into my uncle's socks so she can darn them. What? What? That's my uncle, Bigfoot Wilcox. <laughs> See you later. So long. <laughs> Mr. Wilcox has the strangest relatives. Yeah, ancestors, too. He ever tell you about Big Windy Wilcox, the glass blower, who lived back in 1772 or 3? No. Well, it seems the Big Windy was blowing a few wine bottles for a friend when he suddenly got the hiccups from when he's blowing. Come in. Oh, hello, Dr. Gamble. Nice to see you. Hello, my dear. And how are you, squirrel muzzle? <laughs> splendid, splendid, tonsil robber. <laughs> Probably due to the fact that I've not availed myself of your services for some time. Don't I look well? If you want my professional opinion, fiddle hip, Ooh. they dug up the skeleton of a prehistoric man in New Mexico a few weeks ago, and frankly, he looks better than you do. Well, they say that New Mexican climate is very helpful. There are times, plasma boy, when I... What are you staring at? That thing that looks like a sled. What is it? It's oh. a sled. That's my old sled that I got for my birthday when I was in the third grade, Doc. I'm fixing it up. Some kid can get a lot of use out of that sled. Some kid has had a lot of use out of it. 
You must have been a destructive little monster, McGee. That thing looks like you'd used it to go aquaplaning over 12 miles of stump land. <laughs> or were you smuggling hot tombstones across the border? It is a little battered, Doctor, but he's fixing it up all right, he says. Oh, my gosh, it's the sentiment of the thing with me. Gee whiz, it's the sentiment. Maybe I'm just old-fashioned, but... Oh, right. no, no, you're not old-fashioned, McGee. No. You're as up-to-date a lad as I ever met. Is he really, Doctor? Yes, indeed. In fact, he has the only vacuum-packed head in town that I know of. <laughs> You hear that, Molly? Yeah. You're not just saying that, Doc, because you admire me. No, I'm not. I merely said... Probably for you, Doctor. No doubt. Someday I'm going to Lapland, rent a reindeer, ride it 600 miles into Siberia, and see if they can catch me with a telephone. As the guy says when he finally got out of bankruptcy, look, the receiver's off the hook. <laughs> Take it, Fatso. Thanks. Hello, Gamble speaking. Who? Oh, yes, Mrs. Clatterhatch. Oh, her again. Was that Mrs. Clatterhatch? Your husband got bit by a worm? Well, I don't think that's very serious. I beg your pardon? Oh, well, in that case, I'll come right over Mrs. Clatterhatch right away. What's so serious about getting bit by a worm? She said it was five feet long and had a rattle in the end of its tail. I'll oh. see you later. <laughs> The King's Men and Manana. The faucet she is dripping and the fence is falling down. My pocket needs some money so I can't go into town. My brother isn't working and my sister doesn't care. The car she needs a motor so I can't go anywhere. Manana, manana, manana is good enough for me. Now my mother, she is working. She's working very hard. But every time she looks for me, I'm sleeping in the yard. My mother thinks I'm lazy, and maybe she is right. I'll go to work manana, but I'm gonna sleep tonight. Manana, 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 manana is good enough for me. Once I had some money, but I gave it to a friend. He said he'd pay me double, it was only just to lend. He said a little later that the horse she was too slow. Why he gave the horse my money is something I don't know. Manana, 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 she's good enough for me. Manana, 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 is good enough for me. The window she is broken and the rain is coming in If someone does not fix it I'll be soaking to my skin But if we wait a day or two the rain may go away And we don't need a window on such a sunny day Manana, 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 manana I will do something baby, manana Manana Get a load of my little old snowbuster now, Molly. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. As soon as that enamel dries, it'll be as good as new. Certainly looks flashy, all right. Oh, I'll say it's flashy. This is the sled that I won the fourth grade race down Kickapoo Hill against the whole fourth grade with this sled when I was in the fourth grade. <laughs> it is? Yep. They claim later that it wasn't fair, though. They claim the reason I went faster was because I was 30 pounds heavier than any of the other kids in the race. Oh? Well, naturally I was heavier because there wasn't a kid in the whole fourth grade that was anywhere near as old as I was. Naturally, I... <laughs> my boy, always years ahead of everybody. Sure. <laughs> See, where's the memories this old sled brings back? 
What recollections? Just looking at it gives me that old neuralgia feeling. Oh, you don't mean neuralgia, sweetheart. You mean nostalgia. Nostalgia? Sure. <laughs> Why would the sled remind me of flowers? <laughs> Although I do remember that bed of orange-colored nostalgias we had behind no. the house. <laughs> McGee, no, those were nasturtiums. Oh, now, Molly, please. Anybody knows a nasturtium is a dirty crack. What? I should. Doc Gamble is always casting nasturtiums at my bowling, and no. I'm... No. <laughs> McGee, those are aspersions. Aspersions? You sure? Positive. Well, then, what in the first place did I say wrong? You said the sled gave you a neuralgic feeling. Neuralgia is a headache. You said it. Headaches, backaches, busted ribs, fractures. Ah, <laughs> uh, but I loved every one of them. Like the time I got lost with this baby in that thicket at the edge of town. Remember that? No. No, I don't remember that. I never told you about the time I was coasting downhill through that little thin thicket. No. Well, sir, there were two thickets out there. A little thin thicket that we used to hunt in, and a big thick thicket that was so full of thorns and things it made you thick just thinking about it. <laughs> well, sir, I coasted downhill on my sled thinking I was headed for the thin thicket when all at once I hit the thick thicket <laughs> with a thud. The thicket was not only thick with long, thin thorns, but every stick was thick with ticks. <laughs> and the thinnest part of the thick thicket was thicker than the thick part of the thin thicket, so naturally when I hit the thick thick... Hold it, dearie. <laughs> Come in. Oh, hi, Wimp. Hello, Mr. Wimple. Hello, folks. <laughs> My goodness, it's cold outside. Yeah? I had to walk backwards all the way over here. Walk backwards? Why? Well... I was breathing so hard, and my breath froze so fast, that if I walked frontwards, I kept snowing in my own face. What happened if you stood still? I fogged my glasses. <laughs> I like to be outdoors in this kind of weather, though, really. Yeah, it's good. Any kind of weather, in fact. It, <laughs> it gets me away from her. You mean... Yes, sweetie face, my big old wife. I really had a wonderful weekend last weekend, though. You know, I got the cleverest idea. Yeah, what'd you do, Wimp? <laughs> I got up real early one morning, and I painted little bitty red spots on all our mirrors. What was that for? Well, for three whole days, sweetie face thought she had chicken pox. <laughs> Till old Dr. Gamble had to go and spoil everything. <laughs> My gosh, that wife of yours really makes your life miserable, doesn't she? Oh, I wouldn't say that, Mr. <laughs> McGee. You wouldn't, Mr. Wimple? Gracious, no, I'd be afraid to. <laughs> I, she'd simply... Oh, what a pretty little sled. You like it, Wimp? This is my little old snowbuster. Had it since the third grade. Me and this sled have been through a lot together. Yes, through a bakery window and a thick thicket, to name a couple. Well, I just stopped in to tell you about a little surprise. You should have I... seen me when I first got this sled, Wimp. I used to grab it up, clutch it against me like this, and start running real fast. Why? Wasn't it yours? <laughs> Certainly it was mine. I used to start clearing the kitchen, see, and run through the dining room, through the living room, through the front hall, out the door, and launch myself with this baby onto the front sidewalk. <laughs> First winter, I got the mailman three times and the milkman once. They used to call him Lightning McGee because nobody knew where he'd hit next. My, isn't childhood horrible? I just wanted to tell you about a little surprise that I've boy, got Boy, oh boy, this old snowbuster feels good in my hands, you know what? It's been a long time since I did a flopper on this baby, but I still got the old technique. Yes, but do your muscles know it, dearie? Open the front door, Wimp. Let me show you what I mean. Yes, but 
Well, all right, Mr. McGee. But I'd like to tell you about my surprise. I'll be with you in a second, Wimp. I'm going to start in the dining room, pick up speed through the living room, and launch myself off the front porch like a rabbit. Now, McGee, you're not as young as you were, you know. After all, now, now... don't worry, kiddo. Just stand well back. I'll go down that front sidewalk like a bullet. But, Mr. McGee, I've got a surprise. Later, Wimp, later. I couldn't turn off this enthusiasm now if I wanted to. Here I go! Oh, dear, be careful, McGee. I wanted to tell you my surprise. Yippee! But I cleaned all the snow off your sidewalk for him. What? <laughs> but, but I guess it was a surprise after all, wasn't it? Fibber and Molly return in just a moment. For most of us, these winter days bring too little sunshine. But next to sunshine, there's nothing like Johnson's self-polishing glow coat on your linoleum to give your whole kitchen a warm, inviting glow. And that's even truer of the new glow coat, because the new glow coat shine is nearly twice as bright as before. It really brings out all the beauty and color of your floors. Johnson's self-polishing glow coat is easy to use, too, as so many women know. There's no rubbing or buffing. You simply apply and let dry. Now, what could be easier than that? And what could be easier than keeping your floors spotlessly clean by merely going over them lightly with a damp cloth? That's all you need do to wipe away dust, dirt, and spill things from a surface waxed with Johnson's Glow Coat. Try this easy method, Johnson's self-polishing glow coat, to glamorize, to protect, and to bring out the beauty of your home. Look on the bright side, shine up the right side, bring out the beauty of the hall. Ladies and gentlemen, we'd like to take a moment to congratulate the more than two million members of the Boy Scouts of America on their 38th anniversary this week. This is the organization which builds good citizens, and there will never be too many of them. After all, a daily good turn for 38 years multiplied by 2 million adds up to a lot of kindness and decency, and the world can use it. Good night. Good night, all. The makers of Johnson's Wax Products, Racine, Wisconsin, bring you Fibber McGee and Molly each week at this time. Be with us again next Tuesday night, won't you? Good night. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. And that's Fibber McGee and Molly starring Jim and Marion Jordan from February 10th, 1948. Stick around, I'll give you our lineup for episode 9 of the Classic Radio Theater after this break. Next time on episode 9 of the Classic Radio Theater brought to you by the Bradford Exchange, we'll hear two detective episodes of Dragnet starring Jack Webb, so don't miss it. To reach me and to learn more about the Classic Radio Club, visit ClassicRadioClub.com. Be sure to tune in next time. Thanks for listening.